Tell me when. About now. Welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And those are some sweet, sweet dreams. We're talking about the short-term rental gig, that hospitality job, the old let strangers sleep in your house hustle. We are your hosts. I am Jamie Parker Stickle. And I'm Jason Bieber. And today we're talking about making some extra scratch by letting people rent your place as their hotel room and sometimes party palace. On today's show, we're talking to a couple of badass rock and rollers who left LA behind and opened up their own Shangri-La style paradise retreat in the high desert. That's right. Now, we sort of followed in these people's footsteps. Yes, in the they, high desert. They were the great inspiration to us mm-hmm. about yeah, about the desert, about Joshua Tree, where we where we have a place. That's correct. Um, and and you know that we are, boy, it's so complicated the way we know them. You know, our lives are just what? kind of in, and well, I mean, our lives have become intermingled. <laughs> but you guys started you and 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 she. Oh, by the way, this is the first time we've ever had. Two people as our guest. Right. And you still haven't introduced them. So <laughs> is it a big surprise? I like to build it up a You're little building bit. it up, but I don't know what you're building up to at this point because we really sort of sidetracked yourself. I may go, I may pause and just we'll go back and listen to previous episodes and you'll see that this is kind of what we do. If you're just tuning in. Don't do the tune in. <laughs> Jason Bieber is trying. Jason Bieber is trying to introduce our guest. Tuning in is just so last season. It's a, a couple of real American idols to us. Real American yes, heroes so it was, to me. That was really not a pun, but it's because they're musicians that I was like, I'm going to type because they're my idol and they're... Anyways, it wow. is Landroid. Landroid. Woo! Together they are Landroid. Individually they are. Cooper Gillespie. And Greg Gordon. And they own... What? An empire in the desert. Yes. In Landers. In Joshua Tree, for those of you who think that Joshua Tree is just one large desert. But but let's focus in on, for a second, I want to focus on you guys as Landroid. As Landroid. Which is, for those of you who, we have not clarified what Landroid is yet. Landroid is music. Yes, I did clarify that. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I literally we introduced them as rock and roll stars. Ladies American and gentlemen, Idol. the band Landroid. <laughs> God. Hi. Um, we usually record I episodes. My gun's gonna drop. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Our goal with every intro is to get our guests to look behind them to see if someone else is in the room. <laughs> it's actually that's actually funny because they do do that. <laughs> If you guys want to use this for your intros at your shows, that's fine. Awesome, thank you. But no, but but in all seriousness, like you guys are an amazing band. You have a huge following. We have been to one of your concerts, which was like, I don't know, like outrageous. I mean it wasn't outrageous, it was just awesome. Well, that's what I mean by outrageous. Well, okay, because we brought our child and and there was a lot of weed, so I was also outraged. <laughs> but Listen. that wasn't the concert. That was just a couple of couple of couple of weed heads. He wasn't aware. Listen, he is also not aware. He wasn't at the time aware yet. And people don't smoke weed the way they smoke cigarettes. Oh, you're talking it. about Jack. You said our child. Yeah, I just thought you were saying I wasn't aware yet. No, I'm saying our child, he wasn't aware, and people don't smoke weed like they do cigarettes where they're smoking, you know, literal joints anymore. People are very, like, sort of sly about it now. Even though it's, like, totally legal here, people are so, like, kids are using them as, like, um, drives. They, like, charge them, and then they, like this, and you don't even know. It's freaky. I don't like that. Oh, I know. No, yeah, they have, they have sweatshirts that kids have oh. with the... Stuff in the the string of the sweatshirt. Right. 
It used to be a joke when women That's would go golfing. Genius. No, it's right. not. It's right, it's right. Okay, listen, I I completely no. listen. As a former heavy pothead, I really appreciate it. As the father of an up and coming kid who needs to be like kept from being what I turned into, I'm terrified. I thought you were gonna say as the father of an up and coming pothead. I was just gonna say as an up and coming pothead. You weren't about to say. You were about to punch me in the head. No, I was actually gonna say I am worried about his. his well, but he sees people smoking cigarettes when we take walks, and he's like, "Oh God, gross! Why is that person smoking? Do they know death is coming?" And I'm like, "Wow, <laughs> I have trained him." I've trained him, man. No, no more Swedish films for this kid. It's no wonder he's afraid of everything. I'm like, death is coming. Um, it's totally. You're telling them bedtime stories about drug addicted uh, bees. Drunk. Yeah, bees. bees. That's why the killer hornets are here, Jack, because the bees are bad. Um, just kidding. I think all of this is referring to like off-camera banter that no one knows about. Every, <laughs> everybody knows about the killer hornets that are in Washington yeah, right but now. Nobody knows about the high bee story you told our son for his bedtime tale. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Well, drunk bee. Drunk bee. So you're saying we should bring it back to? I'm saying we should bring it back to the Airbnb. Well, I, you know what? Before we even get to the Airbnb, I want to know, like, you guys were living the rock and roll life. You're, yes. you're, you're kicking ass in L.A., and then you, the, you, you made the decision to pick up and move out to the high desert. Yeah. And can you, like, tell us what, what, what prompted that? What, what drove, you, drove you out there or called you out there? Well, we drove out here. Yeah, we did drive, we did drive out here. That's right, yeah. And then we um, came out to see the Pixie play at Happy and Harriet's in 2014. And on that trip, we stayed in an Airbnb and we, like, you know, did some snooping on the interwebs and discovered that she had only paid like 40 grand for this beautiful two bedroom house. Mm. And now those prices were long by 2014, but still we were like, like, we could totally sell our house in Hollywood and, like, be desert rich and like I get like a nice house, not like this like hundred year old like falling apart house, you know. And uh, so oh, yeah. yeah, so and then and once we kind of made that decision, then it seemed like not to get too like wooey to you, but I mean the universe literally like just sort of things started happening to get us out of here. It felt like like yeah, we let us job. We oh yeah, my job in yeah in, LA. in like weird ways. It, it was just like and it kind of got scary. But, but at that point, we were already planning a movie. We yeah. already started looking at places, I think. Yeah, but that just yeah. sort of made it go quicker. Thank God we moved out here. It's so much better for us. Yeah. But you should have seen me in the car with Cooper because we went on tour for eight weeks before we moved here. We bought the place in escrow. Yeah, we're on a nationwide tour. And the whole time, every couple of days, Cooper would be panicking, freaking out. What are we doing? This is wrong. <laughs> like, talk, you want me to call a real estate agent? I'll cancel the deal right now. And then, you know, a couple hours ago, my she's like, I think it's weird. I'm just, it's, it's scary because you're, you're, you're giving away, you're ending your, your, your jobs and everything in LA, selling the house and moving out to here. I'm like, uh, is this going to work? But it's it. It's awesome. Yeah. Do you think that it provides you the opportunity to focus more on your art being out there? Because I know, like, in LA, You'd hustle so much more, right? Yeah, being in yeah, being in the desert, you can sort of yeah. put more of that energy toward the thing that you want to do versus working sixteen side hustles just to pay the mortgage or rent right. in this and town. There's also you can so easily get distracted by, oh, I got to go here today, or I'm doing this, or I got to go sit in traffic for two hours going from here to there, you know. Whereas out here, there's there's not many rent. Distractions. No, and the and the traffic is a big part because even if you're only working a half a day someplace, but then it's going to take you an hour to get there and an hour at least to get back, and so your yeah. whole day is like you're exhausted and your whole day shot because of the car, you know, being in the car all day. So that's a big thing. We don't yeah. really have traffic out here. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you before when you guys, I think when you when you actually found the place that you that you bought that you live in, 
um, which I should we should probably say you guys operate not just an Airbnb, but you kind of have a, like a mini hotel going on there where you have a bunch of Airbnbs. Yeah. It's uh, a complex. It's a complex. It's, it's a compound. It's a compound. And it really reminds me of um, what do they call the places like in Dirty Dancing? Like a summer camp. Like a summer camp. You know, yeah, there's yeah. everybody rents these you know beautiful individual homes, and then there's a, like a community pool, and it's it's gorgeous. It's way cooler yeah. than Dirty Dancing, though. It is way cooler. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty special spot. It is. Yeah. It is, and we'll we'll like put the website up. We we should say we. Oh yeah, Mojave it, Beach. Mojave Beach. MojaveBeach.com, and it lives up to that name. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you guys when you made the decision, or even got the idea to to relocate to the desert, was the idea always to run an Airbnb out no. there? No. No. Well, it was a little bit. We thought because the Airbnb that we stayed at, she had two houses. She lived in one and we lived and we stayed in the other one. So it was like, hey, you know what? If we get a property out here, something with two structures on it, then we could stay in one and we could rent out the other structure for extra money. Mm -hmm. But we didn't foresee this didn't at foresee all. This, yeah. And in fact, we we wanted another house. I think I don't know if we put a bid in on it, but we no. wanted it. Yeah. And it, Down the street. And it, it was it went in like four days, and we were so bummed out. We really thought that was the yeah. place. And then this, we didn't even want to look at this house because um, it was listed as a two bedroom, and we knew we wanted at least three bedrooms. And then we got here, and the people were actually here, which you know when you see houses, usually the owner isn't there, and they were like, "Oh, go ahead." And Go ahead, make yourself at home. All the apartments are open. Everything's unlocked, and we're like, apartments, huh? And, and then we just we had to stop looking because it was just too much. We were like, just whatever they want, tell them we'll take it. Yeah, you know? on, on the property, there's aside from our house, there's two other two bedroom houses, um, four studio apartments, and five trailers. But we so, haven't renovated all those. Not right. all of those are for rent. But you've done a lot of them, and we've seen like we've got five places up for rent right now. Wow! Yeah, and when we got them, everything was like orange and brown shag carpet, and just totally like nineteen seventies fabulous. And so it's been a lot of work. And actually, Greg, kudos to Greg because he's he's like learned how to do so many things. <laughs> he just built a, a like a structure for the solar panels for our pool today that he's going to uh, put yeah. together. I mean, he's learned how to do so many things just thanks oh, to YouTube, and I don't know what else. Um, but yeah, he's. He's, I mean, I help, but he's really remodeled most of the places. That's awesome. Yeah. So here's what I think is what you were trying to allude to before about it is I met Cooper through grad school. We're both writers yes. together. And how I went to Joshua Tree for the first time and was like, oh, we're buying a Joshua Tree is I went out to do a storytelling event of Cooper's mm -hmm. on vacation rental nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. sort of, sort of what we like to talk about—the good, the bad, the ugly. Like art comes first, but we do these other things to support us. Because if anybody thinks that art is going to support their lifestyle, well, it's just not, unless you're that one percent of people. Um, but we do art to exist because that's who we are. So we're not going to stop doing our art. So we take the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I know your ugly story, but. Um, I don't know if it's something that you want to share, or maybe you have a different ugly story of the Airbnb. <laughs> I was going to say, you need to be specific about what kind of ugly story they're going to tell us. I, oh, I know. I know. I know exactly what she's talking about. Yeah, I mean, for, I should say, ahead, for the most part, well, he's going to be like, that's not how it goes. But I will say, for, for the most part, Airbnb has been really cool. Like, we've met people that are our friends now who come and stay yeah. with us and we've met amazing people from all over the world so Airbnb it's pay, pays our bills so Airbnb is awesome in a lot of ways but yeah. we did have one really crazy story so we um, it was one of our first uh, times when we, we listed I think our first unit up on Airbnb and we were like we didn't know that there were all sorts of settings like oh this you know you should make sure this person has a government ID before they rent your place automatically oh, sure. or we didn't know that of course, so, you, you learn yeah, trial and error. We were like, we got a booking almost right away, and we're like, what? This is awesome, you know? And um, so then, like, the day came for, it was, uh, I'll call her, I don't know, Crystal. 
from Alabama. I'm not using real names, but they came for Crystal to show up on our property, and we couldn't be there. We had to, um, we had something to do. So we left instructions like, hey, here's how you get in, and here's how you get into the unit. And then when we finally got home, we went back to the back to see if they were there, and sure enough, Crystal was there, but she was only supposed to have one other person with her, and there was three other large men and a giant dog with her. And mm. we were like, um, she must have seen that we were kind of like, what? You know, so she, she introduced us to her friends, and she had this sort of Alabama drawl, and she said, well, this here's Lurch, and she pointed to like a, you know, six foot tall man, and this here's Unc, and she pointed to an older <laughs> man. You know, sort of had, had like a gray skull and eyes that betrayed some sort of taboo that he had violated. <laughs> and then she pointed to another guy, and she introduces him, but I can't for the life of me remember what his name was because I couldn't stop fixating on the fact that half of his nose had been ripped off. And I just, oh, it's all I could think about. He was a local. He was a local. but That they ran into while they were up here. Yeah. And yeah, it was just tagging along with Naturally then, befriended the half-nosed guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. As you do. Yeah. You look like you know how to party. <laughs> That's something that I would do, and then I'd be feel too bad to be like, well, you can't, I'm leaving. You can't come with me. I'd be like, I'm leaving. Do you want to come? I would do that. I would be like, I... Come. Well, maybe that's how they ended up with him. I don't yeah. know. And then they... Uh, then she pointed to her dog and said, and this year's Bear the Dog. It's like this giant dog. So we were walking away from them and to go back to our house, and I told Greg, I was like, I, I have a really bad feeling about these people. Like, you know the people in Gone Girl who, like, beat her up at the cabin and take all her money? I'm like, these are, these are Crystal and her friends are these people. And Greg's like, you really shouldn't be so judgmental. You know? <laughs> he was very disappointed in me. And I thought, okay, man. He's right. Maybe I'm judging them a little too harshly. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try not to judge them. And uh, they ended up being, you know, pretty pretty okay, except for the next day I noticed that um, she had said that the two guys were leaving, but I noticed that actually her and two men stayed there with the dog, and it's just like a little studio. And so I was trying to be non-confrontational and very hosty, so I texted her like, hey, you know, the studio is only for two people. And she wrote back, like, no problem, we'll give you more money. And it wasn't the money that we were concerned about, though. So um, we were like, where can we put them, right? Yeah, and then so we ended up putting them in the back house before it was remodeled. Yeah, which it was gross. And it was like a, a yeah. 1970s orange-brown throw-up nightmare, you know? But they took it, and I think they paid something like $600 a week or something. They wanted to rent it, like, kind of week to week. And at first I was kind of like, I don't know. But Greg was like, you know? They've always been respectful, and we need the money, yeah. so... You never even knew that. You didn't even know they were on the property. <coughs> you never saw them. Oh. Except they for... They in the house. Yeah, but their cars did change. Like, that's that's how you notice. It's like, what's this other car? Like, week to week, it seemed like there was a different car all the time, I but... Didn't notice, uh, I, I did. I was like, why do they, why do they have a new car this week? But, right. well, you know, I was trying not to be judgmental, right? Yeah. And so... <laughs> I feel you. Then um, they, they finally decided, like, they, they had been there for a little bit, and they finally decided that they were going to go to Hemet and, like, open a garage. That was their dream. And so That was said, their dream? Uh, Hemet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, like, open a, a garage. I've been to Hemet uh, for a funeral, and that yeah. was, like, the best thing I think I saw in Hemet. Well, we also purchased a bedroom set in Hemet from That's a guy true. off the back of a in truck. In the Walmart, yeah. In the Walmart. <laughs> not, in, not in Walmart. Outside, of, we met him at Walmart. It's a very nice oak set. That's a very Hemet story. Yeah. yeah. Lovely people. <laughs> but anyway. it's Hemet. Okay. Yeah, That's the so dream. That's where they wanted to go. It's yep. a dream. That's where the dreams are. And so we were sad to see their money go, but we were like kind of relieved because it was, you know, nice to have our property back and... And then we got a call not long later, like, oh, hey, can we come back? And Dream so didn't pan out, huh? Yeah, they, it was, something was going on there. So they wanted to rent the house next door, and so we said, okay, but we didn't really want neighbors, so we threw out a big number, like, a week, and they were like, sure, no problem, we'll give you cash every week. And we're like, okay. And, you know, it was pretty great. Like, they kind of kept it themselves. They were next door. Their cars did continue to change from week to week. Well, there's only, you know, yeah, but it, it wasn't. Was it her anymore? It no, was just, it was cousin. Let's call her. 
Uh, Selma? Cousin Melissa. Okay. <laughs> Melissa. He showed up. And so it's Cousin Melissa, Unc, Lurch, Bear the Dog, and Crystal I've seen was this show. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought, well, anyway, still really after some time, they started one by one sort of disappearing. And we're like, what's going on? Until only Cousin Melissa was left. And then eventually she was like, I gotta, I gotta go. I've gotta go back to Hannah or whatever it was. So she packed up and took everything off. Well, right about then we started getting calls from. No, it was the next day. The next day from Crystal's mom. Oh, Crystal's that was mom. Happening during while this was happening there. during it. Crystal's mom was calling us, asking us if we could find Unc and Bear the dog because not having Bear was just killing Crystal. And we we're like, well, why doesn't Crystal just come get the dog? And she's like, well. My daughter got in with some bad people. You know, she's in jail right now, but we'd really like to find this dog. If you could find the dog for us and then drive it back to Alabama, that would be great. And I'm like, I don't want to get involved in these people's lives. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, right about that time was when Cousin Melissa said that she had to go in. And by this time, Unc and the dog and everyone was gone. And... Uh, so, like, literally that day, it wasn't like two hours later, we heard a loud bang, bang, bang on our door. And I opened the door, and there standing two U.S. Marshals holding a picture of Unc, wanting to know if um, I have seen this man. And we were like, yeah, but we don't know where he is now. And they right. kind of eyed us up and down, but then they started believing us. They told us he did some bad stuff. Turns out he allegedly was running pretty big drug ring in the um, south, in the south in and life. was on the run because he had skipped bail and uh, so we didn't know where they were so they left well then like the next day I was in the back cleaning one of the units because we we're supposed to have some people come and I saw a big truck pull up outside our gate so I thought it was our guest so I opened the gate and they pull up and I'm like welcome and I'm waving them right on back to the back house mind you I'm alone on our property in the middle of nowhere Oh my and God. three times in when the guns get out of the car and they want to know where Unc is. And I explained that I didn't know where he was, but they didn't believe me. And their guns like convinced me to let them search the property. So they searched everything. And then um, they were very, very <laughs> they were very um, pleased that I let them do whatever they wanted. And it turns out they were bounty hunters looking for Unc to collect the bounty on his head. And at, after a certain point, you know, they satisfied themselves that he wasn't here and they left. And as they were driving away, and as, like, the adrenaline was leaving my body, and I was, like, finally just, like, fell to the ground, I was like, you know what? Sometimes you got to judge people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes no, let, we, let, we believe we those cockles on the back of your neck. They're there for a yeah, reason. Exactly. I mean, we go through this, too, where Jason's like, why are you judging them? Like, everybody needs this. Everybody needs... And I'm like, no, no. She spelled two wrong. She spelled this wrong. Listen, she can't rent the house. I know exactly who this person's going to be. I'm yeah, the worst are the people who ask for discounts. I mean, this is probably. Oh my God. They're the worst. But anytime anyone has ever asked for a discount, they've been like a nightmare guest. Yes. Or they've, they've complained about something in a review that's like ridiculous, you know, something. And it's like, I, so no, no, it's like discount. If you're asking me for a discount right away, I'm going, hmm. You're probably going to be a problem. <laughs> oh, we've had um, super host status for four years, and we just lost it for the first month ever because oh, no. it's because all of our, everything got canceled because of coronavirus, so I, our average would have gone up, but one guy gave us three stars on quality because he had to take his own trash out, and he thought that it was unheard of that he would have to pay a cleaning fee and also clean up after himself. That's just somebody being a baby. Just I being mean, a dick. Like, yeah, bro, you got to throw your trash away. Like, what are you talking be, about? Be a nice person. Like, if I go stay at a friend's house, I try to clean up and make it nice. We're not oh, asking sorry. you to wash your own linens or anything. We're asking you to wash your dishes so that they don't sit dirty in the sink. And we ask you to take your own trash out because it does smell. And, like, if it sits too long, you know. I'll, I'll be honest. I would rather he have, like left his trash and his dishes and given us a better review. Same, because <laughs> because of his one, everything else was like five stars, and then he said three stars on quality, because he had to take his own trash out and do his own dishes. And I was like, wow. And there's nothing we can do about it after four years of super host status. Oh, fine. that's annoying. It'll be fine. I mean, yeah, it's like people, yeah, I think people look at Airbnb hosts and think that like we're making all this money, or like, 
I don't know, oh, there were yeah. some like rich child or something, and they don't understand. Like, right. we're all these mom and pop operations who just barely get, but you know, we make up a little money, but there's a lot that goes into making that money. It's, it's, not, right. it's not a lot of money. And like, the person who's cleaning up after you, either we have to pay them or it's us or something, you know? Right. Yeah. I, like I said, when I go to stay with a friend, I always just try to like leave things nice because that's a nice thing to do as of a person. Of course. You know? Or even in a hotel, I do the same thing, but. I guess some people feel like they're paying so they can be money. I don't know. Yeah, they, they, they definitely feel entitled. It's definitely that mentality of if I'm renting a car, it's not mine, so I'm going to beat the shit out of it, you know, yeah. and then and turn it back like, in. Like the cleaning fee does not cover the cost of replacing everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if this is saying something about me, I have never, like, left that much oil all over a bedroom. Like, what were you people doing? I have. Oh. I typically do. We had oil. <laughs> what? We had oil all over our walls once, and then we realized it was, like, you know, like body glitter oil, and they were having sex yeah. up against the wall in multiple oh. spots. Yeah. It's like handprints. We had to... And this is, so So we should clarify, most people know, but we'll, we'll just clarify. Um, before we bought the vacation rental in Joshua Tree, um, we ran one, we had a second house here in Los Angeles. Yeah, our first on our, house, it was our, it was our house. So it was a second house on our property that we had built into our garage. Thank you for always thinking I'm talking incorrectly. Um, so uh, we, yeah, we converted, you guys stayed in it once or twice. We converted our garage and that was our income property. And, um, we had like LA, like that's a crazy Joshua tree story you guys are telling. And I sort of believe it would happen someplace like Joshua tree because it's in the desert. We all watched breaking bad. Right. But like yeah. it, the people that came to LA, I, we had porn happening in our little oh, studio yeah. we did have some porn and we, we people making porn and there. we also we didn't hire anybody to clean that you know much like you guys we did that one ourselves yeah. like we flipped it ourselves we were i was there full time i was the janitor on a porn set we were the but oh no they left Wait, you knew they were gonna do porn no, no we found the porn no. they I know it was not. It was not like porn for distribution. I think it may have been, but it was like amateur on you porn. But they left Polaroids, and I was like, I think she might be underage. Like I was really concerned, you guys, and I didn't know what to do with these very vulgar, very worse than penthouse Polaroids that they had left behind. And who would leave those kinds behind? Am I, am I just high? But did you say you were the janitor in the set? No! <laughs> it's a whole other side job. I thought you were saying, like, you discovered that they were like, hey, all right. He was like, pay me more. I was like, oh, shit. That's kind of crazy. So you were okay with it. Jason really has, like, a very low threshold. It is, it is kind of funny you should say that because we did have like, it's being LA, we did have scouts come to our house twice uh, looking to shoot a rap video there. And mm -hmm. we were like, uh, no, no um, I've been in a rap video as an extra. I was like, that's not going to happen. I'm asking the guy, like, can I, can I clean up after it? Cause... But that one he did want to clean up after. Because there's usually a lot of a lot of like loose weed at the end of a rap well, shoot. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what happens when um, non-union shit happens with Airbnb in LA. And I don't know if they've cracked down on it yet, but this was like four or five years ago. Like five years ago, um, they would book it. They would book our unit, so they would force us to have to cancel their reservation and get a bad status because they would lie about what they were doing, and then they come and they'd be like no we booked it we're just going to be shooting something here and we'd be like no you can't do that and they're like well then you have to cancel our reservation like oh, it was that... it was sly shady shit and i was like what's happening it was really weird mm -hmm. that happened to us twice and we were like uh who do we call like that's the thing 
Airbnb is much better now than it was five years ago. It was good five years ago, but now it's great. Like they have really sort of, I think, worked out kinks, you know, what could happen in different sort of markets and whatnot. Right. Yeah. But before, like a lot of shit just could fly. And you were like, what's happening here? I just wanted to have a and b and like, you know, bring people muffins in the morning. And all of a sudden right. they want to shoot girls in a bikini in my shower with a dude rapping. And I'm like, no. Yeah, no, no, definitely no. no. Only if it's him rapping. Yeah. Can I rap in your video? Did you guys all know that Jason Bieber hosted the improvised rap battle for four years? Oh, it was two years. Yeah. He did improvised rap battle. Oh, he was oh, wow. the he was the host and the uh, <laughs> creator of it. Jason likes to freestyle. Yes, it's it's not oh, fun. That's right. It's not fun for anybody listening. <laughs> but, but I enjoy it. He does. He fancies himself the third member of Landroid. <laughs> we do need a Just saying, if you guys have like a little little <laughs> section of a song that feels empty, you know, with like with like a like a dope beat. I've got this Yeti microphone. I could spit some fire. From the 90s. Oh, the flies. Dude, okay, why is it that every night, okay, the flies, got you where I want you. Classic 90s song. So great. And then there's the weird rap section. And back in the 90s, all great rock had that weird rap that was not cool. Every song. Yeah. Are you talking about the Sugar Ray song? No. Again, and then there's like the rap part that's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. That was big in the it 90s. Was on, it was on Batman Returns soundtrack as like one of those Batman movies. Yeah, great song, great band. Yeah, but okay. the rapping, the rapping, but that happened a lot. You what that happened a lot in the 90s, like weird, yeah. out of tune, out of sync, off beat rap in the middle of like a ballad or something yeah. and you're like what the well I still love the 90s I do too I miss them but that's just me um okay but let's okay so let's let me talk to you about this for a second I'm sorry it's very hot because Jason turned off our air conditioning oh my god I've gotta save that paper and he, talk about oil I, it's on me um, excuse me. Jason's sweat comes out as oil, like just pure canola oil. Um, <laughs> like it could be perimenopausal or something. I don't know. It's really hot in here. But um, so here's what I want to ask, Cooper. You're still acting. You are also an actress, and you are working as an actor. But on the projects you want to do. In Joshua Tree. I know you do a lot of theater and stuff. So, but leaving LA, did that ever pose to you as this thing where it's like, well, I'm not going to be this actor anymore who's racing around to auditions? And yeah. was that hard? That was, that was a hard, well, I don't know if it was a hard transition, but it was certainly a transition being like, like the day that they told my agent, like, don't send me out on auditions anymore. I'm not going to drive to LA for a, like a crappy you know, one line on audition. I was like, into it. Yeah. You did, you've done it. I have done it. And I did it when we first moved here. Cause it was really oh, you good. did? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I just got to a point where I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, and I think also um, doing the writing program helped. It's like, if I'm going to do anything, I want to do something either that I write and I have control over because that's one of the hardest parts of being an actor, as I'm sure you all, you know, know is that you don't have a lot of control if you're just going out on auditions that you're being sent out on. Um, and after a while that can, that can take its toll. So I definitely want to have more control over my time yeah, and for any projects that I did. And out here, it was so fun acting in the theater again and just, you know, getting that sort of experience with the live audience. And I would have loved to do more of that in L.A., but the hustle made it so hard to have any time to do, like, the theater. And once I started doing it out here in the desert, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I became an actor, because theater is super fun. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, like, all the running around to auditions and, you know, a lot of constant rejection and stuff, that's not fun. So I'd rather do the fun, the fun things. Right. 
I, always, I agree. Yeah, and we talk a lot about in, in other episodes, I, I've brought this up where it's like you're working a side job, which is usually hourly, so you're it's built in structurally like you're coming in and working the night shift or the afternoon shift, you're 2 to 11 or whatever it is, or even if it's a temp job or a day job. You know, and then you get a call last minute that you have to be on this audition. You're planning a lunch around it or you're asking somebody to swap hours or fill in or you're begging a boss and I'll be right back. And it's two hours to an audition. They're running behind. You don't get in on time. It, it There's a lot of stress I mean, involved in general. It's literally act, a hustle. And it puts too much weight on the actual audition. Like it puts too much weight mm -hmm. on it because you've had to do all this stuff to get to it. Right. And like... You know, and so then it's hard to um, put it in perspective, which is that this is just another shitty audition. You know what I mean? I don't know. Right. I think if I had to do it over again, I would move to L.A. I would work by day somehow in the industry. I wouldn't be a waiter or anything. I would, I would work somehow in the industry, and then I would just at night do theater, and that's what I would do. I wouldn't even focus on the film or the TV because that will all come but you have to be in love with the process of it. And some people do love that film TV hustle. I really did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I so, quit once, like after I first moved there, I quit for a long time, like 10 years. And then I started again. And then I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't enjoy this process. Yeah. So let's talk about all your hustles you did to support your art, which is music, writing, acting in LA. And Greg, don't worry. We're going to get to you. We're going to get to you in a second. <laughs> but... You bartended, you waitressed, you worked as a clown? <laughs> yeah, I was a clown for kids' parties. Yes. I was a really unhappy clown. It was really, like, I thought it sounded awesome um, because it was, like, $25 an hour, and this was back in the, I think, the late 90s, or very early 2000s, so I was like, that's a lot of money. But what you don't account for is all the time spent in traffic and everything eats up all that money to the point where you're making, like, 8 or $10 an hour, yep. you know? And by the end, I was like... Oh, this this really isn't fun. Um, yeah, and it's like it, it was really I it was really hard to go to parties and stuff and have little kids be like, I know what you're gonna do, and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> you're ruining my clown shit. What was your clown name? I well, I didn't. I usually played Disney characters, you uh, know, like Belle or mm -hmm. Snow White. Um, but my friends all called me uh, Super Duper Cooper the Clown. I like that. I just, yeah. Bold of you to use your real name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what being a clown gave me was I'm not afraid of clowns at all. And in fact, if I run into another clown, we have a bond. Like there's the, there's the I don't want to talk creepy, but he's a, little, a lot of people are freaked out by the clown that hangs out down in Palm Springs. Palm yeah. Palm Springs is that, is that bar. Yeah. And like I went right up to him. Any clown who like, hangs out in a bar already is... <laughs> I mean, again, those cockles are up. Harpo, maybe. But, yeah, he doesn't speak. And everyone was trying to get pictures with him. And he was like, eh. And I was like, hey, I, I, I was a clown, too. Like, can I please get a picture with you? And he was like, all right. You know? <laughs> he didn't say all right, but he kind of, like, pushed me over and took a picture with me. But, yeah, so me and clowns have a bond. Our Aunt Judy, Jason's Aunt Judy, is a real-life clown. For 40 years. For 40 years. And what's her name? Wow. Sassafras. Sassafras. What's it? Sassafras. Sassafras. the clown. The clown. So what else did you do? So we have, okay, so... Uh, so I went to a Seven Sisters college, and the only job that my college degree ever got me was um, I was going around L.A. trying to get a job, and, like, no one was going to hire this fresh turnip off the truck. I mean, I must have looked like such a bumpkin. But I walked up to this fancy L.A. restaurant, and the GM had also gone to a Seven Sisters college. And she's like, oh, my fellow Seven Sisters college goer here. Be a hostess here. So I was a hostess at this fancy restaurant. And then I worked my way up to being a waiter. And the, that was a great job because it was very, you know, it was a place where you could make a lot of money. It was a very high-profile clientele. Um, and for the most part, like, when you first get to L.A., it's kind of cool to work in a place like that. After a while, when the famous people stop being exciting, then you're like, oh, shit, this is just another waiting table job. <laughs> Where but, was it? Um, Where did you work? I don't know. Should I say the name? I don't know. It's okay. Know. It's yeah, up to you. So, I don't know. Yeah, so I worked at the Ivy. 
Oh, yes, the Ivy. um, And most of the time I work at the Ivy in Santa Monica. And there's a lot of great things about that job. There's a lot of terrible things about that job. In fact, my fellow Ivy workers will still call each other. It's like almost 20 years ago. And we'll call each other and be like, I just had an Ivy nightmare. And then you just like listen because you both understand. You understand. That's crazy. Yeah. 20 years later, we're still having nightmares. But there was also a lot of good things about that place. I mean... (laughs) I get that because I worked at the Brentwood Starbucks and uh, it's, oh, yeah. it's not the Ivy, but we get all those same people in the Brentwood Starbucks before they go to the Ivy in the morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of nightmares. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's hard because I don't, I don't want to disparage it too much because like I said, I made a lot of money and there was a lot of good. I met some of my best friends in LA there, yeah. but um, it, there's a lot of bad too. <laughs> and it wasn't just the people who came in there. <laughs> it's any job. I mean, when you're when you're striving to be something else, you know, yeah. and and anybody does something to get in your way that day, it feels like ten to a million times worse than it really is. You know, so I, you know, for me, it was always like, I'm working. I'm pouring your coffee. Do you think I went and spent all this money on a college degree and live in debt and live on somebody's couch right now because I think that I should be in LA doing that? Like, no, asshole. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to make it to where you are. So, give me a little bit of a break here. But they don't because nobody thinks like that, you know. So, yeah. so everything I feel like in general, it's not just an LA thing, but maybe it's a particular LA thing where a lot of times when you're in the service industry. People just kind of see you as subhuman, like as a bartender, yep. especially, it used to drive yeah. me crazy. People just walk up to the bar and be like, back up, go. But they never, you know, say please or right. thank you or, you know, because it's like you're not even a person. They just need I what they know. need. I disagree with that. Really? I, yeah, I, I, think, felt, I, felt I think the bartender is highly regarded to anybody that walks into a bar. <laughs> yeah. It does depend on which night. bar, but there is definitely, that's the high status job. That's true. I Smart. For a person like us who's worked in the business, you think that way? I think there are a lot of people who don't think that way, but that's yeah. just my experience. Anybody that came into my club, they knew to respect. Well, all my bartenders were like that. I mean, yeah, we always, I mean, people are. Yeah, but he was doing club. Next. He was doing club. He was doing club bartending, not some really hipster bartending. You know? Well, <laughs> I, I, I think you same thing in Silver Lake. I, I mean, I would restaurant bartending is different. Yeah. You know, yeah, restaurant, when I bartend at restaurants, that's totally different. I should say it has nothing to do with silver. Like, I think it's more like, not, not, we don't have bridge and tunnel out here, but it's more like the non-regular people who come in that are kind of like that in my experience. But like you're, obviously your neighborhood people and everything are most of the time awesome. Yeah, that's but true. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because when, when you have a neighborhood uh, place, a local spot that you go to regularly, like that becomes part of your family. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So everybody is. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But it's like a lot of the, like the weekend Yelpers, those people. Right. <laughs> they're the worst. Tourists. Tourists are the worst in in L.A. in Joshua Tree. Yeah. Tourists are just bad everywhere. I honestly think I, mean, I, I think that this actually is is a very good parallel for what you said earlier about uh, whether it be an Airbnb or renting a car or going to a bar that's not your bar. Is that you can people feel like they can behave like an asshole because hey I'm never going to be back here again there are no consequences to my to my actions you know fuck it let's let's be the asshole tonight so well, you know I, I mean I see there's 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 truth to that but there's also truth to most I would say ninety five percent of our guests that have been here that we've met are super respectful of the property I mean, yeah there's definitely people that you know are coming out. To party, yeah, you know, and I get that those people don't give a shit, but most all of our guests, you know, people from all around the world, you know, when they come, they're they're very cool. They they appreciate it and like and like it. So I mean, maybe we've just been fortunate, but well, and I think even some of the guests that we've had that have been like left the place like a mess with like the greasy handprint and like food everywhere and everything. I don't think that they were doing that maliciously. I think they literally didn't know that that wasn't okay. Like one of our friends. That you know, and I was like, this person can never stay here again because our unit just looks crazy. Like there's like food everywhere and like weird sex oil everywhere. And, and, and she like literally just like didn't know. She wasn't trying to be me. She just didn't know. You know, and then uh, 
also we live here on the property, so that right. also you know that that changes the dynamic of somebody being left alone in one of our houses, and you know. Yeah. Yeah, they know yeah, that. They, they, they know. know that they know. Right. Yeah. Right. I was going to say that when we at our first Airbnb, um, being on the property really dictated how somebody was going to behave in general. Yeah, you know what they're mean, doing for. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all. Those that little couple, I, 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 I was curious because I never, not that we spied on our guests, but they never left. They never left. They were there for oh, four we days. Know. And I'm always like, what are they doing? In there? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I think they ordered pizza or they ordered food, and it would, it came to our front door a couple times, so that's how I knew that they were eating. Um. <laughs> So I was like, well, okay. But uh, yeah, that was, I mean, we found candy flavored like condoms in there and like. <laughs> and I'm glad they were using condoms. I'm glad they were using yeah. condoms. Um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff going on. And, and I don't know if they were one, if they were the, the same ones that didn't speak any English. Cause I think they made it. We had a lot of people stay in our uh, uh, unit from Japan and Korea, South Korea. For some mm-hmm. reason, like that was most of our clientele in LA. And yes, super lovely. Most people were super lovely, but the porn ones were really funny because we were dissecting the rappers to everything they left on the floor because I was like, was this a sex thing or is this candy? I don't know. I don't know because I don't speak Japanese. Um, it was really, it was really funny. Like we literally examined almost because they left a lot of trash, you guys. Obviously, they didn't leave. That was leave. the other thing. There was a lot <laughs> there of trash. There was a lot of trash. <laughs> and they, so they much had, trash. They had gone shopping somewhere at some point. I didn't recognize any of the bags or stores. Oh, my. No, but, that was a different couple. That was another young couple who came. They're all blending together now. That was actually two. <laughs> that, I think, no, I don't know. It was always... It was always it was always a couple. It wasn't like, you know, two girlfriends who came to stay. It was always a couple. And, um, yes, they went shopping. They must have gone to some outlets or something somewhere. But they had left, like, I don't know, maybe 12 to 15 shopping bags from, like, you know, like, if you went to Rodeo Drive and you bought, like, a shit ton of stuff. And they left all the shoe boxes and they left all the hangers and garment bags I mean, it was like piled up. We were like, "What did they wow. do?" But you know, you have to pack. You got to pack for the plane. So they like boarded the plane with three hats on their heads. Yeah, it's interesting. I will say this about um, the boomer generation. Not to put off any boomers, but um, boomers would stay often, and they would ring us up, and they'd say, "Hey." Those 20 coffee pods you gave me, I'm out. Could you bring me some more? <laughs> You're like, okay, it's supposed to be one a day, people. Not like 20 in a day. Oh, this would be, yeah, this would be in like two days. He'd be like, I went through all 20. I need some more. And we'd be like, there's a grocery store on the corner. Like, I, know. I don't know what to say because we're not a hotel. Like, we provide, yeah. you know, a significant amount of amenity. You have exceeded the maximum volume. But... Yeah. We never wanted to offend a boomer because they're the worst. They'll give you the worst reviews, right? Like, they're the ones that are actually going to go and be like... And they were repeat customers. He oh, wasn't. Okay. You make exceptions for those Maybe, repeat. Again, I'm thinking of the are... guy who stayed for two weeks. His son lived in L.A. and he was like a therapist uh, well, and a pianist. Well, he stayed for two weeks. Anyways, he did stay for two weeks. But, he, I mean, he extended his stay, yeah. Anyways... It's not the point. The point is people ask for a lot and you're like, I'm not a hotel. Yeah. I wanted to ask Greg about your side jobs. Yeah. Like as an up and coming musician, both in LA and this transition out to, uh, to, to the desert. Tell us. Uh, I mean, I pretty much was always bartending. I started bartending and forever. And, uh, from nightclubs and nightclubs and nightclubs. And that always, that was just great. Um, one of the other jobs I had in LA that I picked up, I think, because I went on tour for a while when I came back, trying to get a bar job was a little bit tough. And I started working uh, for this company called One Iota. So I started working with Jimmy Kimmel on that show. 
and it's basically just an audience coordinator who handle the audience, do all that stuff. That was always fun because I was working on like the voice and you know, uh, what's that dance one? Oh yeah, well, was the fun. Jabberwockies. Like, Jabberwockies. It's like a dance reality show. Yeah, it's like a dance. Yeah, on you know that that was great because you know all that stuff. But that was a lot of fun. Um, but then most it's really just mostly been bartending. Yeah. And then when we moved out here. Um, no job at first, and we started, uh, you know, managing over at Pappy's. And then from that, I went down and worked in the hotels, because all the Airbnbs that I was doing, it's like, it just, well, no, I started off at a restaurant down there, bartending. Down there in Palm Springs. Yeah, in Palm Springs. And then that led to a hotel that I helped open and got their bar program up and running and then transferred to their other hotel and then decided... I was paying people more money to take care of my Airbnb than I was. Well, I was making about is about even, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I doing working and paying somebody? I can quit my job and just do it myself. And you give drum lessons. You give oh yeah, I give drum lessons. He's been too. doing a Facetime drum lessons. Yeah, to... oh, well. that's awesome. I think we need to tell them the story of how. So when we when we were in LA and we were getting ready to sell our house and we were like, oh, we are uh, going to move to the desert. Right. But we had just, um, one of the big liquor companies had just flown us out. So I, I worked at a club that, that uh, I would do, I mean, my credit limit was. It's like $100,000. Like, he would $1, make like $100,000 a week. Yeah, I, I'd be buying like thirty to $40,000, dollars a week in wow. liquor. So my reps loved me, always wanted to meet with me. <laughs> always wanted to get me to sell some weird-ass alcohol product. But anyways, but yeah, so they... Uh, hit me up. I did this thing with, um, I can't remember the vodka that it was. Effin? Effin? Yeah, it was Effin. Yeah. So, um, 50 Cent bought into Effin or something like that. So, I was helping move product and then was flown out. Uh, they flew us, me and Cooper, out to his place for a party in Connecticut, in Connecticut which is pretty awesome. That and was like, fun. put us up. Yeah. And we and went. Then, and then my GM calls me because we have our weekly meetings every Tuesday or something. But it was literally like the next day after the 50 cent party. Yeah, so it was 50 cent party. Then we're out like going to like what, Mark Twain. We were at a mansion. We were at 50 cent's mansion. And then we Ooh. went to Mark Twain. Yeah, just like the next day. Just, uh, yeah. um, I'll end the spectrum. And then, uh, yeah, so I get a phone call. Hey, Greg, are you going to be at the meeting tomorrow? I'm like, dude, I'm in Connecticut. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, just so you know. We're gonna be shutting down in two weeks. <laughs> it was like, so, like, what? Oh. We like, just had this baller experience, and it's like, and check it out, you're but, not gonna have a job. But at the same time, it was also we had already decided to move to yeah. out here. So I, it was this was October, and we were thinking already of just like, well, by the end, the new year, I'm gonna quit the job, and I, that was like a hard thing because this supper club, the, this is a club I worked at. Mm-hmm. I mean. We're, we are family. I mean, everybody there, it's a party every night. We have a good time. We make lots of money. And it's it was so much fun. So it was, it's not an easy job to walk. It wasn't like, fuck this place, I'm out. You know, it was like, oh. He loved his job. This is not, not going to be easy. And I have, I was a bar manager, so I have a great staff of bartenders and barbacks and whatnot. And as well, the whole club. So it was it was already going to be tough. But once this happened, I was like, oh, shit, I don't have to quit. I mean, you guys are simultaneously, as you said, it's rare to have a service industry job you love, but you guys simultaneously were together, both had separate service industry bartending jobs that you loved. Well, I mean, he was, I mean, you were actually like in a role that people aspire to, like that, I mean, they want to, that's that's like a dream job you you have. When you see the movies and you see the club scene. That's what Supper Club was. I mean, it's like, you know, girls coming from the ceiling, blah, 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 confetti, blah, confetti blast all, every night, you know, celebrities. It, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was definitely a lot of fun. Why, all I, of my, all of my um, bartending, most of my bartending experiences at places I've worked at have always, the crew's always like family. One time I was working in the club next door to his club and I went through the back and it was like, I don't know. 
10 o'clock or something, and Snoop Dogg was just in there yes. DJing for the staff. Because the club didn't open until like 11 30 or something. But he's like, This is for the staff right now. And he was up in the DJ booth, just like DJing for all this. Everyone has a Snoop Dogg story like that. Like, I don't... Kevin Bacon is six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's one degree to Snoop Dogg for everybody. <laughs> He's a good guy. Snoop's very accessible. Very accessible, apparently. I also feel yeah. like Snoop likes to crash scenes like, like Bill Murray, and I, I think the two of them should be paired up. Yes. That would be brilliant. <laughs> I thought that Martha Stewart... Uh, Snoop Theory was pretty great, but that would be a really great one. <laughs> so let me ask you guys this. No regrets. Like, do you feel like you no. finally made it to the spot where you're like, art comes first, and now we're like sort of content, and we're happy, and like we're doing us, and this is a good place to be, no regrets? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, honestly, I would say a lot of it has to do with the, with the side hustle, the, the Airbnb business, because that really allows us to build our studio the way we want it, take off time, you know. Um, the flexibility. Yeah, the flexibility. But the income from it just helps us to, like right now, even though we don't have any guests now uh, because of the coronavirus, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's great. We, we, we get to make music all the time. And, yeah. and that's the other thing. Like in L.A., it was driving... Our studio was in downtown, so from our house, it wasn't like, oh, let's go step in the other room and we'll go pick up some instruments. It was... We got to go down there, so then you're down there, then, you know, maybe you play for an hour or so, and then they're like, okay. Or it's like, we can go play right now, come in here, talk, work on something else, and then two hours later, go back in there and work on some more stuff. Oh, I've got this new idea, let's go try it out, you know, which is fun. It also helps that your whole band lives in your house. Yes, yes, it would be true. That's the trick. Yeah, it would be different if you call and give up my you know. I mean, it would be nice to have more band members, but negotiating other people's schedules is like really yeah. hard to do. Even when we've been in bands with like one extra person, it's like that's a whole, it's a lot to figure out. Yeah, right. we'll be like, okay, we gotta be there at noon, and then it'll be like 11.30, like, well, oh, do we want to leave the traffic? We better, I want to get some of the ink. Can we stop over here and get some, you know what I mean? Yeah. So mm -hmm. when you got that third person who's waiting for you, you can't do that. But once you <laughs> was out of the band, it's like, dude. Yeah, we'll get to rehearsal eventually. Yeah, oh, yeah, this fun. is the best writing partner and production partner ever because I'm like, dude, man, we got time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah got a few minutes. Watch one I more episode of Ozark. <laughs> so um, I just want to, like, tell everybody um, that Landroid, Imperial Dunes is out. Merchandise is out. The album's amazing. You have people, writers, that are so inspired by this album that sit and write to it. Uh, Todd Goldberg. <laughs> That's such a nice message. Emmett, yeah. Emmett Brown. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, a, it's like a fantastic album, and everybody should check it out. Everybody should buy it. Everybody should buy merchandise. T-shirts. We have yeah, LandroidMusic.com. And we'll put that up. We'll put that up on the um, website. And yeah, so hopefully coronavirus um, will restrictions won't roll back completely, but roll back on at least Airbnbs or something, so that we can yeah. all get our side hustle back on. Yeah, yeah. We're kind of enjoying a little bit of time yeah. without any guests. Yeah, but it will be nice when we can have some. But it's like you know, if this is okay, like we'll take a couple months and just yeah. enjoy our our time and yeah. Then we'll get back to it. Yeah, we built a big labyrinth. Yeah. We built the solar panels for the pool. That's awesome. You built a labyrinth? Built a labyrinth, moving rocks. <gasps> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. In the sun, big rocks. Oh, I want to come. Well, we have to come up there soon because we have to clean the house and... Yeah. <laughs> you can be the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my forever that's for my forever hustle. I'm I'm always cleaning up wherever I go. When we're done with this episode, I'm gonna go do dishes. Do you guys have um are you starting recording the second album yet or what's going on? We've been working a lot during this time and uh, we have a single coming out on Sunday. Well, it's premiering on Sunday, it doesn't come out until Tuesday. We're just kind of doing singles right now. Um all right, so your but single will drop at the same same day that your episode will drop. <gasps> ah, there you go. It's That's the other thing about out here is like the environment. It makes such a difference to the art that you make. And for us, it certainly has with our music. But I remember one day Greg was sitting outside and he was looking around. And he was just like 
staring off into space. And I was like, what's going on? And he's like, how are you thinking? I could see how someone could write a book in a place like this, you know, because it's just like you have time to stop and think. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, 100%. And I just remembered, oh no, we did get to tell you guys this. We did see you right before the lock, two days before everything locked down. We got to see you guys, which was awesome. Oh, that's right, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> that was awesome. And then, um, people came and stayed at our house, but, um, I think the best people that ever stayed at our house gave us that drag show on our front. Oh, that was amazing. Yard. Have you talked about that before? We haven't, and I think it's amazing because we put up, we're not discreet that we have cameras on the outside of the house, so they knew that they were on camera. I mean, you could see them on that catwalk, like performing and drag. We also put a catwalk. We also put a catwalk in front of our house, so. <laughs> Ladies. Um, you, bu you built a labyrinth. We built a stripper stage. <laughs> and I, I've got a special mop. <laughs> I'm learning a lot about my husband on this episode. Um, it's pretty interesting, babe. Pretza, pretza interesting. Okay, so we just want to, again, thank you guys for being here tonight. Um, it is, again, very hot and I'm schwitzing. But uh, it's Landroid and their album, Imperial Dunes, is out now. They have a single coming out today, Tuesday. Their single drops, their new single. Today, the day this episode airs. Yes, and the uh, information is on our website, and you can go to their website as well. I am Jamie Parker Stickle. I am Jason Bieber. That website, again, is landroidmusic.com. And you're going to want to join us next week because we have a very special guest, uh, Joanna Burke, a.k.a. Miss Jojo of Miss Jojo's Dance Divas. Right now, this is the new single from our amazing guest, Landroid. It's called Stars. Oh my God, I'm so excited.